victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. Just want to remind you once again, uh, very quickly, uh, this Wednesday, David Barton will be with us. Uh, it'll be a great time uh, of learning and insight uh, concerning uh, our history, where we're going, um, what needs to be done. And so uh, I encourage you to come. Ladies, sign up for the Ladies Conference, and uh, uh, it's going to be a great Ladies Conference. We, we continue to talk about it, um, and uh, I think just we've been with different people over the last couple of weeks, and uh, people interested about uh, the ladies' conference, and when Tasha tells them John Grunewald is speaking, everybody gets this puzzled look on their face. And so, uh, come, it's going to be awesome. He's got a great word, uh, I'm sure, to share, but you want to sign up. You don't want to miss that. Uh, it's a first. What? Thanks, what? That wasn't a good positive announcement? All right, well, I'll hear about that form of announcement and encouragement. <laughs> later on. Okay, she's going to... I'm just going to tell you something about John real quick. Then you can get to your message. <laughs> when I asked John, John last year said to me um, that he had wanted to speak at a ladies conference for years and years. And he asked Miss Lynette Hagen and he asked all these other pastor's wives if he could speak at their conference and they just laughed. And I said, well, what would be your message, John? And he said, I'm going to talk about the four women who changed my life. I said, okay, well, that sounds like a really good message. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this could be really great. So at the beginning of the year, I texted him and I said, do you still want to speak at a ladies' conference? And he said, it would be my dream come true. <laughs> so ladies, you are making John's dream come true. And it is going to be awesome. Praise so, the Lord. There you go. There you go. I was going to say that he was going to talk about the four women that changed my life, but then I thought I might get home and have revealed a secret I should not. I do have that issue sometimes in knowing things that I probably shouldn't know because I forgot I knew them. They seem exciting at the time. I share them, and I wasn't supposed to. So I was being more cautious. Anyway... That went from just trying to encourage you to sign up, ladies, to something a little bit more than I thought. Praise the Lord. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we uh, have really begun a series of messages, and even though we've had uh, guest ministers in uh, through that time, I believe, uh, if you've been listening, that they actually have built upon that, encouraged you in really much the same light that... Uh, we are endeavoring to encourage you in. So uh, again, to just lay a little groundwork as we were going through this, as I was praying over this year and what we were going to share and, you know, the, the forces that uh, really, uh, those, those principles that would shape our future, uh, those things, really the church came to mind. Prophecies about the church uh, from times past, how in the last days, how many of you believe we're in the last of the last days, right? If you look at the Bible, some of you do, some of you yeah. don't, but in the last of the last days, it's been spoken over many, many times that there would be an arising of the church uh, in such uh, a splendor, in such a way. So at the same time, uh, if you look at statistics, it seems like people are getting disillusioned with the church. And so, uh, you know, we may just think, well, the church is outdated or whatever, but it's really a strategy of the enemy. It's a strategy of the enemy. And all of a sudden, if you try to 
just simply popularize the church, have the right kind of music, the right kind of thing that feels good, then you're really not going to have what is the importance of the church, which it may make us feel good, but one of the important aspects of the church is that we grow. And you really have trouble growing as a Christian or believer if you don't have interaction with people. Right? Right? And so, uh, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it and people have different experiences, it's a relatively safe place to have an interaction with people, even with difficult people. The thing that makes it difficult in the church is our expectation. We expect Christians, all Christians, except for ourselves, because we know ourselves. And our intentions are good, but we're not just quite there yet. But every other Christian should be there. And so sometimes we get disillusioned because they are Christians. How could they act that way when really we're looking in the mirror? But when we realize that God's not finished with any one of us yet, that what the Bible says that the work that he started in you, he's not uh, finished. He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ that he's working in each and every one of us to will and to do of his good pleasure. What's going on even right now as his word comes forth because it's alive and it's quick, it's powerful, that if you receive it in, it begins an interaction in your spirit that takes a hold, that begins to transform your life. The Bible says that there is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in, in the spirit of man, right? That's the new birth, that we were apart from God's spirit, the very life that is in God's spirit. When you make Jesus Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes to move into your spirit and starts a transformation. Galatians calls it the fruit of the spirit. In other words, we think of it as apples and oranges of the spirit, but it, where do you go find fruit when you go into the grocery store, the produce section. So literally what he's saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, he has a plan to begin to produce something different in your life than you had been producing. So out of sin, there was something coming out of that dictation or that being under the, 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 the slavery or the dictates of sin and the course of this world, that now we come into the kingdom of God, governed by the Holy Spirit in our spirit, and he's creating a transformation in each one of us. When that transformation begins to grow and mature and materialize and become fruitful, there's an interaction and an interlocking of people that becomes so strong that really the understanding of what Jesus did as Savior, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So there's a great place where... Where the church, we think, well, what about me? But if you're in the church, there's an element of working, of maturity that begins to really uh, synergize things that begin to take place. And so in in coming to, to understanding that God wants to do something through his church, through local churches, there's different avenues. We won't have time really this morning to get into it, different opinions. But if we just look and see, okay, if somebody believes that Jesus Christ is Lord and there's a gathering together and they're building up, they're learning the Bible and they're learning the application of the Bible to their life, to their home life, to their uh, workplace life to their church community life. Now all of a sudden we're coming together. That's the church, the ecclesia. We are called together 
to receive life from the word, uh, instruction on how to govern life, and then we go from our time together to begin to govern our life, our family, where we live according to this kingdom, not the other kingdom. We're not looking for a necessarily a governmental takeover because we live according to a different government, but the vision of New Creation Church is that every member finds their place so that we can see the glory of God to possess our land. So if you look at this church, there's, there's house churches, there's four square churches, there's Assembly of God Church, those and many others. I'm not trying to isolate those. They're just out there. And so they're members of the body of Christ. They're also members. But uh, as we said before, we may be the right hand, they may be the left, and that may be too thinking too haughty to think that we're something like the hand. But anyway, just for example, but, but just because... We're the right hand, the four squares, the left hand doesn't mean we, ne- we don't work together. We do work together. We're the body of Christ, but each member, each local church is a member that has members in particular that causes us to work together, to be fruitful, to multiply. So if in the last days we begin to understand that God is going to do something through his church, Jesus is going to do something in the earth through his body. Yeah. How many of you do stuff outside of your body? Not often, a few out-of-body experiences. But uh, outside, I mean, when you go do something, you do it in your physical body. When Jesus was here restricted to a human body, right? He was restricted to a human body. Then he could only be in one place at one time doing this. But he said, listen, those who believe in me, the works that I do, he will do also. But greater works than these will he do because I go to my father, which means Jesus restricted in a physical body could only be in one place at one time. But in his body, he can be multiple places in multiple settings at different times, right? And so, but he also knows that the fullness of that starts to work and be created in this thing that he called the body, the interaction joining together, members not being alone, but fit together for something larger than themselves. So this all started when I was beginning to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, so if you eat and drink, uh, you eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in a way that does not fit its meaning, you are sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Before you eat the bread and drink the cup, you should examine your own attitude. If you eat and drink without paying attention to those who are the Lord's body, your eating and drinking will cause you to be judged guilty. That is why many in your group are sick and weak and many have died. But if we judge ourselves in the right way, then God would not judge us. And so when we look at this and we begin to see, are we strong as we should be? Are we reaching out? Are we feeling weak? Are we feeling tired? Certainly, there's sickness that's come. I look at people, they're tired, they're wore out, they're feeling weak. What's going on? And I believe just in part, in some part, that if we're not examining ourselves and rightly understanding (laughs) the body of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may say, well, listen, isn't he talking about communion there? He is, but in context, he's talking about how they came together. Out of every class, group, out of every race, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, uh, no matter what their denomination, their religion, they came together. They didn't do that before. In the culture of the Corinthians, if you were of a different class or religion or whatever, you did not eat together. When Christianity came, there was love. The love of God came into their heart, and they came together, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, uh, no matter what they did. Sometimes slaves were coming to church with their masters. That was unheard of. There was love there. And so it, was, it stood out to the world like you all 
actually like each other. Right? And if you look around, we have people from different classes, different places, different upbringings, all kinds of different things, different races, all right here, right in this little town, uh, you know, uh, Glenwood Springs, Newcastle, Silt, Rifle, uh, Parachute, this area, all that. And we come together right here in this local church body. But as they began to come together, Paul said, you began to come together and you changed how you saw each other, you began to allow, again, the world's mindset to creep in, and the wealthy started to come in and eat first, and the poor came in last, and he said, and then you say you're partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus, and he said, you don't get it. The body and the blood of Jesus was for you, but the body and the blood of Jesus was shed for you to break the power of sin and bring you into Christ and into his body. That we're partaking of a covenant understanding that, yes, we have a covenant relationship with Jesus, with the Father, but it also means we enter into a covenant relationship with his body. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Which means if we have a covenant relationship with our body, then I'm looking to have your back and you're looking to have mine. We're not looking to talk behind your back. We're looking to have your back. And it's just too easy to get disgruntled and say, well, I'll talk behind their back. But that's what they were doing. They were coming together and eating and saying the poor can come later because the poor this and the poor that. And Paul said, what are you all doing? You're acting like, wow, we have a covenant with Jesus, but you aren't considering the body. And so if God's going to do some amazing things through the church, which he is, those who will understand and come together, he is. Right. But he wants us to really understand the body and how that works and, and, and what God is doing. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, I think this is the message Bible. He says, in cha- in, he, speaking of Jesus, is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. The church is the avenue by which Jesus is going to fill everything, one translation says, everywhere with himself or with his presence, which means something happened to us that any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God who has reconciled us to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. New creation. It's out there on the sign. You've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. What happened? You entered into a covenant relationship. The old person is gone. There's a new person who emerges. Now the things are of God. You are now in a family relationship with God. It's called the church. And what's he going to do? We're going to come together and he's going to start filling everything everywhere with his presence. How's he going to do that? Through you. In other words, if his presence isn't at your house, then hopefully you come together and you learn, listen, God is in me and I'm there. And when I go home, I'm taking his presence with me and I'm not going to allow this strife and the stuff that's happened at home. We're going to come in. We're going to make a change. Why? Because I'm part of his body and I'm taking his presence with me. I'm taking it to work. I'm taking it to the ball field. I'm taking it because everywhere we go. If you take all the churches, local churches, and where people work, where they play, we pretty much cover an area. Yeah. 
we could begin to fill this valley with everything in the fullness of his presence if we start to realize, wow, there's something going on here that's bigger than me, just bigger than me being recognized. It's, wow, what he's doing in the earth being recognized. And he'll start moving in, in, in an amazing way as we begin to really see how that works and is there. And so he said, we can be weak, we can be sickly, even if some have died because we didn't actually discern this body of Christ, this church that exists and so, uh, again, he says, listen, uh, we, we may think, well, church, I got all this stuff going on, and the world's got all this stuff going on, but we need to go to church because we need to kind of secure our heavenly home. He says, no, the church isn't peripheral to the world that you're just trying to get in on something. He said, the church world is peripheral to the church. When God's looking down from heaven, he's not looking and going, man, look at how the world, look. He's concerned with the church of which you are a member right? Universally and locally. And Paul, we said this before, Paul is talking to local churches here. So Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about, first of all, these what we call five-fold ministry gifts. We may get into that sometime, but we're not going to uh, launch into that right now. He says, they're here for the equipping of the saints to do work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what's he saying? He's saying these five-fold apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are here to equip the saints to serve one another in such a way that it edifies or it builds up the body. We always have to be careful when we're going through day-to-day -day life that, that in the challenge of being disgruntled, we are not breaking the body down, but we're building the body up, right? Because again, we may say, well, that person, I don't really agree with them in the way they're doing things, but they're part of Christ's body. So we want to be part of the building, not the taking, of, taking down, all right? Till we all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature or complete. So what's the process? What's the process of the church coming together? We're endeavoring to mature. What better way to mature than with people? Right. That's right. I mean, a lot of people say, you know what, I'm just going to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week in my prayer closet. Awesome. Maybe some people have prayed. Uh, 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 you know, God's called them to that. I'm not going to take away for some. But for most of us, we're going to have to come out and face people. Right. So no matter what you pray, you're going to have to apply it to dealing with people. And there's people out there that don't like you. They don't like Jesus. They could care less. But you are in a place where hopefully... The majority of people love God. They're born of the same spirit. They actually have the same DNA. Yeah. But they have different personalities and different callings. And actually, the church used to be easier. Because when I first started pastoring, there were only four personalities. Now there's 16 different personalities. There's nine, nine Enneagrams? Oh, yeah. Nine Enneagrams. Every Enneagram has a wing, and every wing has a wing. And so dealing with people has just gotten more difficult than just saying, oh, your personality and mine. There's four of us. We'll figure out. No, now we've got to figure out how to deal with different kinds of personalities. 16. I mean, in five years, there'll be... A hundred and some personalities. 
right? So what better way to get with the church and say, you know what, we're probably going to have all that here. How am I going to deal with these personalities knowing the end result is glorifying Jesus together? Instead of saying, there's that personality, I'm not pointing at you because, (laughs) forgive me, but (laughs) there's that personality that I just want to get to. About the time you locate that in talking to them a little bit and then go, I really want to serve. Guess where the opening's going to be? Yeah. With him. And then you get the choice. I'm not serving in that area. Forget it. Put me somewhere else. And God's saying, I put you there on purpose. Why would you do that to me, God? Why would you do that? Because he will reveal something in you that needs to grow. Say, how do you know that? Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against principalities and powers. And the enemy would like to say, it's him. No, what he does is he reveals something in me that's not yet grown yet. And I don't actually like dealing with that. And so, again, I I, I can't totally put this off on everyone. Uh, I just know me. It's really started in marriage, and it's carried over to pastoring. But there's sometimes I just get irritated. I've been irritated with my wife before, and I've been irritated with people before, and I've, tr- I've tried this over and over again, and now, really, I- I'm not going to say I never do it again, but I just come and say, God, what's wrong with me? Because I used to go, I used to have it all figured out. I would, we would have an argument. I would get in my Jeep, my, my Jeep that I used to have. I called it the Holy of Holies. I got so much revelation in my Jeep with God. I would get in my Jeep and take off, and the first thing I would do is help God understand everything that Tasha was doing wrong that irritated me. And, and listen, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I, I know some scripture. When you talk to God, you want to talk scripture. And so I gave him scripture as to what she was doing. He may talk to you different than he talks to me, but I would drive and really I have this loop that I used to drive from our house to Debec. It would take me about that long to get that all out. And then the back back was usually God talking to me. And so I would get about to Debec, and it was like the Holy Spirit, are you finished? I, Give me a minute, let me see. I think, I think I got it all out. And then he would say, are you ready? And I would go, whatever you want to say. He'd say, well, here, let's talk about you. Amen. And why are you reacting that way, and what are you doing? We started doing that, and then I started, you know, church people. I'm like, they're doing this wrong and that wrong. He was like, so let's just talk about why. Why is that bothering you so much? And when you have scripture to back why it's bothering you so much, you can really get good at avoiding what God wants to do to grow you. But I started to learn that God wanted to grow me so that I could help lead others. And so you're in the church, even though some people might rub you the wrong way, to realize what he said. The devil's trying to bust things up, but God's trying to grow you that no matter where you go and who you encounter, you are mature enough to deal with whatever comes to be a witness of him wherever you go. That's right. So when you're in that place with that person that you're not so thrilled about, you just have to look and say, okay, God. Show me what is being, what I need to work on to make this work. 
And there's people who started off with a little bit of friction that now are the best friends in all the world because they grew past what they started experiencing. So we're here to grow each other, to mature, right, to edify each other, to to, uh, mature, to measure the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we're no longer tossed and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, Uh, but speaking the truth in love, we grow up into the head. In other words, we're changing to become more and more like him. We're growing up to be more and more like him. And he says, in doing that, the local church body that he's talking to, he said, there's all kinds of winds of doctrine. There's all kinds of teaching out there. Uh, We're not going to talk about good, bad, or indifferent. We're just going to say all kinds of it. But there's something within a local church body that there's a consistency of a vision and the word that's coming forth. Not that you can't add to it, but it helps you from being tossed to and fro. You begin to have a a stable foundation to build on when you take other things in. You're not all of a sudden abandoning and going this direction or abandoning and going that direction because we think, wow, wouldn't that be something if it would be like that? You know, sometimes we get to where we go and listen to somebody and there's a big uh, conference or there's something going on and you're like, wow. But, you know, even in that place, they don't have a conference atmosphere every single time. So you come back and say, we should bring that conference to the local church. You know, I did that one time. I was, I was at some meetings, uh, week-long meetings. They were, uh, man, they were spirit-led meetings. And I spent most of the time on the floor just, I mean, the power of God, just praying and soaking that up. And the music was uh, uh, just phenomenal. It really facilitated the Word of God. And so uh, then I came back. This was a number of years ago when we first started pastoring. And then I came back, and Sunday morning, our praise and worship team started. And I, I mean, I, I'm just being transparent with you. I raised my hands to worship, and I'm like, God, if we could just have musicians like we're at that meeting. What great meetings. If we, if we had those musicians, we'd have meetings like that. And just while I'm worshiping God, the Spirit of God said, if you had musicians like that, they would never be here. They'd be traveling to those conferences. He said, look right up there. That's what I've given you. And if you'll cast vision to them and begin to speak to them about their part and what you want, I'll develop a worship team that will facilitate what you want to do right here. They were right here in this body. You can go to conferences and see what people do to build a conference to put something in you, but when God brings you back, you're right here to bring something to add to the body. Not to change the body into what you saw a conference, but to add to the body, right? So we're not tossed by every wind of doctrine. All right, let me keep going. from whom the, uh, we grow in the head, Christ. Christ is the one who joins us all together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Right? So again, it comes back. It starts and ends with building the body up. That's what we're doing. It's key. So why do we want the body built up? So the body can effectively reach out. And so, as we were studying this again, you see this, 1 Corinthians, it talks about the members of the body. For the sake of time, we'll dig into that a little bit more uh, in, in some of the next sessions. But the, the body, there's all kinds of members of the body, you know, eye, ear, nose. If everything was the same, there wouldn't be a body, there would just be an eye. If everything was the same, there would just be an ear. But there's such diversity in the body to make the body, right? So the body can function in this unity, so the body can function. So Paul gets this idea of the body, and it's such a complexity. I've been reading some things that's just really, you know, whew, the body is really complex. 
But God made it, and he said, with the complexity of how I made the body is also, I want you to understand the complexity of the body, how we're bringing all these things together for that. So I was thinking about the body. This story came to me. Uh, uh, just as an example, when I was 19 years old, um, uh, I lived in a townhouse apartment with my sister, and uh, you know, some of you young people won't even get this, um, but I woke up one morning with, to the phone ringing, and so uh, th- this was before they had cell phones, so I'm telling my age, uh, but it was before they had cell phones. I was up in my bedroom. The phone started ringing, so I jumped out of bed to go get the phone. Uh, we didn't have phones in every bedroom. It was downstairs in the kitchen, so I jumped out of bed, and I started moving towards the stairs, and I missed a stair. And when I missed the stair, I thought, well, grab the railing. But unfortunately, my right arm, which is my predominant arm, was still asleep. And so when I went to grab the rail, it just went. And when it grabbed the rail, it was a wrought iron railing. My arm went between two rails, and I went down and felt like it about took my arm off, but it came back out. I end up at the bottom of the stairs. Then I get up, and the phone's still ringing through all this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I all right? But the phone's ringing. i got to answer the phone. And so I'm predominantly right-handed. I still, to this day, cannot remember why I didn't just answer the phone with my left hand. There was a lot going on at the moment. So I go, and I knock the phone off the hook with my shoulder, and I said, I'm going to have to call you back. So I'm assuming that I just hung the phone up. And, you know, you say, why are you telling that story? Because I was thinking about my body. What my body did and didn't do. You know, at that moment that my body started to fall down the stairs, my right arm didn't cry out, you stupid feet, how can you not even see those stairs? Can you see what you're doing to me? And then the rest of my body didn't say, you dumb right arm, why are you still asleep? You should have got up with the rest of us. We're just going to cut you off. As you can see, that didn't happen. Right. <clears throat> Thank God didn't cut my, my right arm off. Right? My right arm didn't start blaming, you know, my head for laying on it. Didn't blame another part of my body for putting pressure. One part of my body putting pressure on another part, which cut off the circulation. Right? We didn't start the blame game. What we started doing was like, man alive, wasn't that a rough get up? (laughs) You don't start many mornings like that. Wake up. And it wasn't long that all of a sudden the feeling was back in my hand and my body was functioning in unity all over again. And many of you have been through different circumstances similar, and thank God you're still here and your body's intact. Yet when somebody makes a misstep in Christ's body, many times we have that argument, how could you be so stupid? Why don't we just cut you off? How could you still be asleep? And all of a sudden we get a pride in the body. We get a who's who in the body, and he says, this isn't good. This isn't good for communion. It isn't good for understanding Christ's body. So I just want to spend just a few moments to try to help us understand a little bit of the unity of the body. Because it's important in how the body works. Brings it out and there's so many diversity things that take place in the body. The first thing that we have to understand is really the love of God. 
So he says there's many different aspects. So, so often we come down and we're, we're looking at these and say, you know, first he says there's apostles, then there's prophets, then there's uh, uh, teachers, then there's uh, helps, and then there's miracles, and there's serving. And then you go over to Romans, and it's like there's giving, and there's uh, teaching, and there's serving, and there's... And really, the myriad, when we think about it, is if you look here, it's not all just in this idea that we say it's spiritual, that there's teachers who are anointed to teach. There's businessmen who are anointed to do business. And it's part of the church and how it moves out to fill every area of life right. with himself. Right. So there's areas working within and serving one another within the body, but then we, as we learn to serve one another, we begin to know how we serve those that we work with and how we live. There's anointed business people. Some ministry people need to get with business people to realize, wow, many ministries have gone down because there's a business side of ministry and they think nothing and business people can help ministry people with the business side. We all work together, right? We work together. So I can't believe they're going to start playing already. So I have to hurry. So I've been watching this documentary. If you know me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Yankees fan. So that stands to reason. So uh, there's a documentary out right now on Derek Jeter. And so uh, in watching this, this kind of stood out to me and, and helped me with some things about the body and how we see it. Um, so Derek Jeter, when he came up to uh, uh, play, just right after him, Alex Rodriguez came up. Uh, Derek Jeter played for the Yankees. Uh, Alex Rodriguez played for the Seattle Mariners. Well, Alex Rodriguez was touted. He was a, a big home run hitter. He was really one of the greater short stops that existed at the time. And really, by his statistics, he outshined Derek Jeter. So going through all this, uh, this particular uh, documentary and interview, they were comparing how they came up and what they were doing. And uh, there's a difference between Alex Rodriguez and Der Derek Jeter. And the difference between them is four World Series rings. And so they described the two of them, and they said that Derek Jeter just wanted to win Alex Rodriguez wanted to be a superstar. So there's a different mentality between somebody who wants to win and a superstar. A superstar individually wants to win and be known for who he is. Derek Jeter wanted to win, and so his focus was team. He was a member of a team, and he focused on that team. And he never, even in the interview, he said, I never really thought about being a superstar. I didn't want to be a superstar. I just wanted to win. And in that understanding team and understanding the vision of the team and the coaches, he became the captain of the Yankees. They won five, he won five World Series rings. Later on in his career, Alex Rodriguez came to the Yankees and played with Derek Jeter and won a World Series ring. Many times in the body of Christ, we're thinking, my gift, my calling, and how am I going to stand out, and how's that, how's that going to work, and how's that going to be there? But really, there's a mentality that we come together as the body of Christ. We understand there's different functions, different responsibilities that go with that. But all together, we begin to create something bigger than ourselves. And there's an attitude that goes along with that. And he said, as we partake of communion, we have to examine our attitude. And what is our attitude concerning the whole body of Christ that draws us together to do something bigger and win in life? Is it just nobody's paying attention to me or am I a part of something bigger than myself? So this thought and this attitude, Derek Jeter has this quote. Um, he said how he wanted to be remembered. 
And it wasn't to be the greatest shortstop that ever lived. He said, I want to be remembered as someone who had a lot of respect for the game, for his teammates, and for his opponents. He said, I want to be remembered as a winner. And I want to be remembered as a Yankee. He didn't say, I want to be remembered as the greatest to ever live. We could say it like this maybe as believers. I want to be remembered as somebody who reverenced God. I want to be somebody who respected God's people. I want to be somebody who respected the opposition that came against me and how it was going to develop me and make me better. I want to be known as a son of God. I want to be remembered as a Christian. Christ-like. Right? Sometimes we're like, I want to be the prophet. I want to be the apostle. I want to be the one who knows. But somewhere that humility opens up an avenue for supernatural activity. I'm going to read from this. Uh, I've been reading this uh, book, Fearfully and Wonderfully Made by Philip Yancey and Dr. Paul Brand. Just a couple of things that he uh, studied. These are just a few things. There's a lot here, but he, this, a couple of reflections that he has. He says, I often, uh, often I have reflected on the paradox of the amoeba and its mirror image, the white cell. The amoeba, a self-contained organism, alone performs Uh, performs all the basic functions of life, depending on other cells only when it ingests them for food. Hmm. Only for what it needs. Let me see where I'm at. Oh, the white cell, though similar in construction and makeup, in a sense is far less free. A larger organism determines its... determines its duties, and it must sometimes sacrifice its life for the sake of that organism. Although more limited in expression, the white cell performs a singularly vital function. The amoeba flees danger. The white cell moves toward it. A white cell can keep alive a person like Beethoven or Newton or Einstein or you and me. I sometimes think of the human body as a community and then of its individual cells such as the white cell. The cell is the basic unit of organism. It can live for itself or it can help form and sustain the larger organism. He goes on to say, I recall the Apostle Paul's use of the analogy of 1 Corinthians 12. There he compares the church of Christ to the human body. That is... Fired analogy takes on even a uh, even more meaning to me because of the expanded vistas allowed by the invention of microscopes. Since Paul's analogy renders a basic principle of God's creation, I can augment it like this. And then he goes into 1 Corinthians 12 and talks about really not just the eye and the ear, but the cellular level of, you know, the optic uh, cells and all that stuff. And so that's just a paraphrase of that. Then he says this. He says, that analogy conveys a more precise meaning to me because though a hand or a foot 
or an ear cannot have life separate from the body, the cell does have that potential. You know, I remember one time, you know, just when I, I was here uh, serving at the church, when I came here, when I felt like I was called to New Creation Church, it was a year old, and I was just called to help. But I'd been to Bible school, and, uh, you know, I, I knew I had some ministry in my life. But at one time, I was talking to somebody on the phone about something. They were encouraging me that, you know, I could probably go somewhere else and be an associate or something like that. And while I'm talking to them on the phone, I'm sitting at the counter, and I'm thinking, you know, and, and I'm looking at my little finger, and I'm like, thinking this. I'm, again, I'm just being transparent. I'm thinking, you know, if, if I'm the little finger and I just left, the body would know I'm gone. You ever had that happen? You ever did anything to your little finger? You think, I don't ever use this thing until you hurt it. And then you're like, I use that thing a lot more than I thought I did. And so, you know, I'm thinking about that. You know, the body would probably not like it if I left. They would know. Now they would know. Maybe they're ignoring me now, but then they would know. And so I'm thinking about that. I'm kind of visualizing my finger over here. And then all of a sudden, something rose up on the inside of me and said, yes, they would probably know that you're gone. But the body would still be alive. And you would not. Right? Because the finger, the body can live without the finger. Now, again, if we look at Paul's analogy, he doesn't encourage that. He doesn't say we can live without you. But the fact is is the body could still function with the finger. The finger cannot function without the body. And that's what he's saying right here. He's saying, watch it. Watch, watch how you view yourself apart from the body because there's life in the body. All right, so now listen. This is, he gets down to the cellular level. He says the cell does have that potential. It can be a part of the body as a loyalist or it can cling to its own life. Some cells do choose to live in the body sharing its benefits while maintaining complete independence. In other words, I'm here to hear the word, get what I need, but I'm not helping in any way. And he says this, he says, they become parasites or cancer cells. He's an analogy of the body. We can say, yeah, I'm going to come and get my benefit out of it, but I'm not going to add to the body. See, God wants us to add to the body and understand we have a function to the body, not just to take, but to add to, because he's going to do something in the resourcing of the body that begins to change things, not only in the body, but changes things as we learn and we actually take the application home. And we take it at home and it's rough at home and you're talking to God about how your wife needs to change or your husband needs to change, but you come back and you get filled with the word and you ask the Holy Spirit, help me with wisdom and application of that word that I just heard at church. Help me call somebody that'll pray for me at church and pray for my marriage. Now, all of a sudden, there's something working that goes beyond the body starting to feed something that will bring a help and a cure and an answer. And then we go out from there when our home is filled, and then we go out to people who are hurting and say, God, how, how am I going to reach these people at my workplace? How am I going to reach these people in my neighborhood? And we come back, and there's a building up of the body, and we realize if I apply the word to my life, there's going to be something shining different about me. There's going to be a story and a testimony of change and transformation that I'm going to be able to take to them and then get them saved and bring them in to hear that same word in that same place of building up. God wants to do something supernatural and equip you wherever you are, whether it's in business or serving or teaching or government or helps. I started just in helps ministry. People can tell you that have been here. I didn't ever really think about pastoring this church. 
I've told people before, I'm a, I think I'm God's third choice. But that's something about hanging out, right? Because there was people here when, you know, when I was growing in that, they were saying, you know, I think I'm called to pastor this church someday. I think I'm called to pastor this church someday. They said that kind of over and over, but then they went somewhere else. So if they were called, they left, they left. I was still here. Pastor Craig said it one time when he prayed over me. He said, well, uh, Mark stuck with it, stuck with it, and now he's stuck with it. There's just something we know when there's that something, that faith filled. God's called me here, but I don't like what's going on right now, but I believe God called me here. What's he doing when I'm full of faith? I stay with it because I believe God. God begins to change things. Things open and multiply. Why? Because we're still here. We're still connected. We still have life flowing through the body. Well, I don't like some of the things that go on. When we look inside and say, God, why is that bothering me? Instead of saying, I know why it's bothering me. There's a bunch of stupid people around here. I know you'd never say that, but it has entered into your mind. We're just being honest. If I'm going to be transparent about myself, I'm going to be transparent about you. (laughs) These people just irritate me, but if I'm not wrestling against flesh and blood, then the enemy is taking somebody that I love and causing friction causing some things to go on to break us up. But God didn't put me here to break us up. He put me here to say, we're different. That bothers me. Why? Oh, Holy Spirit, grow me. Now that's not bothering me. We're better together than we were being broken apart. When he starts to draw us in, it's hard to know. It has been prophesied what Jesus is going to do through his church. Seems like the world's getting dark. And we're not just looking and saying, wow, what what in the world? I'm going to share a little bit about this tonight because we're in Romans chapter 12. But you know, in in, in Acts chapter 1, they said, hey, Jesus, when are you going to restore the kingdom? He said, well, that's not for you to know. But wait in Jerusalem because you're going to be endued with power from on high. He said, I'm going to give you power. Well, when is God going to start changing the government? You've been endued with power to be witnesses. When's God going to change the school system? You've been endued with power. When's he going to change things in this church? You've been endued with power. Come on, your function has a grace on it. You've been endued with power. It's not for us to say, I'm better than you. I'm more anointed than you. No, there's function there. He said, that's why he ended all this, and he had to talk about love. Because the ability to try to find out what your function and your grace is caused you to have to look and say, what is it that you're doing in me, God? What is it that you've placed on the inside of me, me, me? Wow, that's amazing. And then the first person who recognizes it, like, you're amazing. And I am, aren't I? And all of a sudden, it's about me and not the body. So he comes in after that to make you aware. And then he says, oh, but don't forget love. Because with all this diversity, where y'all have come from, your social, economic, racial background. And on top of that, God put a gift in you. If there wasn't enough difference to begin with, he put a gift in you that was different than you. 
He said, isn't this amazing how you can be from a different upbringing, you can be from a different gender, you can be from a different class, a different race, a different gifting, but I'll supernaturally do something that will fit you together with her and with him and with her, that working together and firing off will do something you never dreamed possible. He says in that book, you got in your eye, right? He says this amoeba has like 100 cells in, in its ability to view. And the human eye has 107 million cells. Those cones and those rods, some of them just basically don't do much until the lights go out. And then when the lights go out, you see more black and white, but you see enhanced light so that your eyes adjust and you begin to be able to see in the dark, if there's any light at all. And then the lights come on, and they back off, and all of a sudden these other cones and whatever, I'm not a scientist, I just have to, I'd have to read it. They start to fire off and send signals to the brain, and all of a sudden brilliant color takes place. But other than that, they're not doing a lot. But aren't you thankful that they're doing what they do? So you can look around and go, isn't the world pretty magnificent? God said, I've got things in the body you think you're not doing much, but you're enhancing something else, and you're bringing the color of life and the gospel to people who otherwise wouldn't know it. We are the body of Christ. We're in this together. We're not looking to be the superstar. We're looking to win. Bring the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ to bear, not only in our life and the lives of those with whom we have to do in the church, but then begin to reach out and show this life and this victory that everyone can have in Christ Jesus. And I believe God's doing something right now in you. He's doing something right now here. I believe he's doing something in the church overall, not just lo this local church, but local churches all over. Because he's declared that in these last days, his church would arise that his church would arise with strength and with brightness, with an anointing upon their life, with a testimony to bring to those who don't know that the church would rise in different areas. Praise the Lord. I mean, next week, you want, you want to show up? We're going to announce. But Danielle and Kali'i have started. Uh, they've got a parenting curriculum they've all put together. They're going to put it out. They're going to make it available to you uh, next week. Parenting, somebody who's anointed with the wisdom of God to parent can change everything in the generation that we live in. Come on. There's just things that God will give you inspired ideas that will affect things and create revival and create a stability. God's working in the body. All right, I better quit. Why don't you stand up? Thank you, Lord. We glorify you and we magnify you. We bless you. We thank you for bringing us together. Local church body in the body, a member of the body of Christ universally. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. I'm thankful for every single person here. Though there's challenges and though there's difficulties, you're working in us every single day to bring revelation, to bring understanding, to mature us, to transform us. 
that we might learn from you how to interact with one another, that in the revelation of that interacting with one another, loving one another, being in unity with one another, a strength grows and equipping grows not only to serve the body, but to begin to serve outside the body, to know how to deal with our immaturities that we truly might show forth the very life and light of God wherever we go. Thank you, you are equipping us even now for a greater day that is upon us and will grow brighter and brighter. Just before we leave this morning, if you're here this morning, don't want to let this go. We know many people here, but if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's where you begin. You get engrafted into Christ. You're a new creation. The Bible says any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new, and now everything is of God who has reconciled us to himself. He says, if you'll lay aside your way of doing things and make me the Lord of your life, I'll begin to lead, guide, direct. I'll immerse you in a support system of life that will lead you in the kingdom of God, that will open up gifts and callings in your life to make a reality of the fullness of God and being fulfilled in the very life that you were created to do. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you say, today's my day. Today's the day of salvation. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. Anybody at all? We just want to take this moment, not take for granted that everybody knows Jesus. If you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ. He said he'll forgive your sin. He'll wash it away. He'll give you a brand new start in relationship with him. Anybody at all, just raise your hand high. We'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, it looks like everybody does know Jesus Christ. If you don't and you came with somebody, just ask them about that. If you brought somebody and you know they don't know Jesus, continue to share the life of God with them and the love of God with them. Uh, let that be something in your heart, knowing uh, and loving them enough to share Jesus with them. Amen? Say this we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.